0: My guest today I've been working with for the better part of the last 10 years. She's been critical in helping me through traumas I've had from martial arts injuries, motorcycle accidents, hang gliding accidents, whatever abuses I've put my body through. Uh, She's been there to help me recover and get back to moving. And this is critical to our everyday life, even if we're not an athlete, even if you're not doing dumb stuff like I do, to beat up my body, you can still get some benefit from this. Dr. Kate Kelly is not only an expert in this field and a specialist, she's a hardcore athlete herself, and she's learned the hard way over the years, some critical things, crucial things that I think you'll benefit from. That's why I had her here, and let's get started. Hello everyone, today I'm joined by Dr. Kate Kelly. She owns Active Recovery Boston. Is it Active Recovery Boston Franklin or just Active Recovery?
1: Active in- Recovery Boston in Boston and Franklin. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I've been, you've been treating me for years now for my injuries and problems and lack of paying attention to what we're gonna talk about today, but I thought I'd have you on to discuss uh, active recovery, can you explain to everybody what active recovery is, what it means?
1: Sure. Um, so I have a lot of experience with that term because that's kind of a philosophy we live by at Active Recovery Boston. And the company was formed because um, as an athlete, I was tired of my primary care physicians and other practitioners telling me just to stop when I was injured rather yep. than do some active recovery. Um, so the company was formed on how do we get people back from injury without having them just stop? Here's some active recovery suggestions, anywhere from self-care with foam rollers and balls to stretches and strengthening. Um, but I think it's detrimental if people aren't involved in active recovery, both from after an injury, but also when their training load has gotten high and they need to move, but not tax the central nervous system.
0: I know that personally, one of uh, the problems I have with my primary care physician is every time I go in there, he tells me that he gives me the same speech. I can recite it by heart. Uh, The body's warranty runs out at 35 and you really shouldn't be doing anything after that um which is crazy to me it's, that's insane our bodies are meant to move not sit in a chair all day telling other people not to move
1: yeah i hope you have run far away from that practitioner please <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and the thing is is you can still have vitality in your yeah. 50s and 60s and 70s if you do it right
0: now so what does the term mean to you what do you define it as active recovery
1: um moving without stressing the body but moving with um trying to enhance circulation improve or speed up recovery um and uh just move move through but so
0: not- if, I'm, if i'm an intense if i'm an athlete doing intense exercise what would a uh- What would a routine look like if it had active recovery included?
1: Right. Um, So potentially not so jarring. So say you were a runner, it would be swimming, light swimming, um, or yoga, or um,
0: maybe
1: Tai Chi, or or Qigong, or um, maybe... About going for a walk? Going for a hike, going for a walk. Absolutely. Um, A hike in the woods has great oxygen, um, which is great for recovery. Um, So all of those kinds of things.
0: Nice. Yeah. Now, let's see. I met you almost – it was almost 20 years ago, I think, the first time that I met you. And back then you were even a hardcore athlete. Yourself doing uh, triathlons. Did you do marathons too, or just triathlons?
1: Triathlons, marathons, yeah, and
0: yeah. Um, did you do an Ironman?
1: No, half half Ironman, half Ironmans,
0: half, half, Ironmans. Um, half more than I would ever do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did other uh, endurance, ten hour endurance races. So I did do oh, athlete, ten uh, hours, yeah, just uh, more Ironman.
0: So. Knowing what you know now, uh, did you train smart back then?
1: I did not train smart. Um, I did not sleep as well as I should have. That's huge recovery.
0: After, oh, good point. Yeah.
1: I did not eat um, well enough post-exercise. Yeah and i was really in what i call an adrenal state most of the time so kind of running to the next thing running to the next thing i didn't mentally come down from being so on all the time and i didn't physically and that's just a huge drain on my system and to be perfectly frank randy i think it had some kind of effect on conceiving children um later on Yeah. yeah so um I don't mind sharing, but I had, you know, I had assisted um, IVF for my twin girls, and I honestly think that some of that wear and tear and poor um, recovery, really, and training had uh, an effect on that system.
0: Yeah, because it's very evident in my, and I'm not an expert on this, but it's very evident with female athletes when they overtrain, right? Yes. There are clear signs that you're doing too much.
1: Yeah, what I didn't understand then, what I understand now, is how much the hormonal component plays into training. And that's not just like I'm describing with when I decided to to bear children, it's actually your training changes with your cycle and Mm -hmm. what your body needs in and around that is very different than men. And so, and this is still being uncovered, honestly, um, in research. Um, that women need different things and they need different things as they age and their hormones change. And men also need different things as their testosterone changes, et cetera, et cetera. And so I had no clue about hormones and how they affect, um, performance, sleep, anxiety, any of that stuff. When I was younger and training a lot. Um,
0: I think that it was early this year I saw, one of the female athletes that was on the Nike team, she was a runner fastest in the world in high school. And Mm -hmm. she went to the Nike team and they had a huge, there's a documentary about it, about the way the female athletes are being mistreated and overtrained, and it's hurting their bodies and bone structure. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I saw that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there needs to just be a different approach, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is, there's some researchers out there. Dr. Stacy Sims is a great researcher. She's doing a lot mm-hmm. with um, young women, middle aged women, and then postmenopausal women, because those are kind of the three stages yeah. of changes and transitions in women's bodies.
0: So you would definitely um, what would you tell your younger self with what you know now if you had to if you were your own coach from your training habits?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that now they have all these gizmos to track your sleep. Yep. Um, I think that that is probably one of the number one components of recovery. So I would have been a better sleeper. Um, I would have eaten more (laughs) or better quality, better quality proteins. Um, and probably listened to my body a little bit better when I had some aches and pains. Um, you know, you can sometimes 50% of the time get away with running through a mild injury when you're in your twenties. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you can't, but when you start to get into the 35s and you gotta be you gotta be on it and you gotta be on it early. Yeah if you want to really be taken out longer, right? And so having the ability mentally to be to say to myself, Okay, now I'm not nineteen or twenty five, I'm thirty five and forty. My approach to injury and what I'm feeling has got to be different. I've got to adjust that, you know, and we're, you know, I will agree with the, you, we are fighting age as we are trying to perform better. Right. True. So well, that's
0: true. That's true.
1: You can't deny that. So you have to make adjustments as you go. Mm. And those adjustments have to be in your recovery zone and your eating and your sleep, you know,
0: with are hard because I mean, I, Right. Speaking from my own experience, it's very been very challenging the last, I'd say three to four years, especially it's like something just changed and it got harder to get away with stuff and trying to increase my performance or like you said, just keep going up. But at the same time, other things are just p- compiling and stacking. and
1: Yeah, you can't put the same amount of load. Yeah, you can't put the same amount alone at the same intensity that you have been doing. Um, you can certainly continue to get better and still have right. vitality, but you have to adjust some things. And I think from an ego perspective as an athlete, yeah. um, you have to say to yourself, it's very hard in your mind to say, you know what? Yep. I'm not 25, and I don't know if I can run that 530 mile anymore at 50. Yeah, you know, and give yourself a break. Like that's really hard to do. If you can do that, you are a superstar. <laughs> but realize mentally, you're not that person, even though yeah. we think we are because we, you know.
0: Well, still- you're either going to do it and come to grips with it, or life is your body's going to come to grips with it before your mind and make you uh, humble you into submission. Basically.
1: There you go. Exactly. Right.
0: Um. Now, and you were, a few years ago, you were uh, powerlifting too, right?
1: Mm-hmm, correct.
0: Now, did mm-hmm. you see, when you were powerlifting, did you see a lot of people making mistakes that you treat or that you you mm-hmm. know now is like, oh, that's really, shouldn't be doing that?
1: Yeah, I think uh, when CrossFit first came out, for example, that yeah. was... Um, great business for me. (laughs) Um, And so I got into the mix of that to see what was going on in those gyms. And of course there's great gyms and not so great gyms. Um, And people always have compensation going on in their bodies. Nobody is perfect. Nobody has exactly the same strength on the right as they do on the left or the exactly the same elasticity as they do on the right, right? So, and we are really good as humans and biomechanical um, humans. To compensate.
0: Yeah.
1: And those little subtleties can be hidden so much so that a coach in the gym isn't educated enough or doesn't have the viewing glasses to be able to see those compensations. And they go on and on and on and on and start having bad biomechanical um, things going on and then they get an injury, right? So in some cases it's not the coach's fault because they just don't have the viewing glasses on the edge. It would
0: be nice as a coach if we knew everything, but that's not the reality. It's – we're we're a work in progress. It's not
1: sure, right? Um. Anyway, a lot
0: of, a lot of the yeah. stuff that I point out to to my students or my athletes are things that I learned the hard way myself when I just from bad experiences and yeah, sometimes that's the only way we learn.
1: Right, right. You know, and I think Randy, you've you've gotten smart enough in the last <laughs> few years, <laughs> no more than a few ten maybe. You Maybe. Come in and then you say, I've noticed a change in this particular, uh, movement pattern mm. and I can't figure out why. And I know it's going to lead me to injury. And that's exactly the insight you need yeah. when you start, but it takes you a while to understand that about your own body.
0: It know, I think it's also just to have, having feedback from a lot of people over the years, if, unless you're doing something physical, regularly, you lose touch with your body where you you can't feel those things. You can't feel those little nuances or something being out of whack. So you're completely oblivious that that's even going on.
1: Absolutely. You know, um, we call that body unaware. A patient is totally body unaware and it's almost a neurological disconnect. Like somebody cut the wires from the brain to the body and this happens all the time. I said, you can't feel that you can't externally rotate that shoulder. They're like,
0: I had no idea, right? No, I have people that come in that their posture is like this from sitting at a desk forever and you put them straight up. I talk about this in a video I shot last week. You put them straight up and they don't believe you. They yeah. think that they're leaning backwards now because the yeah. brain is actually adjusted to this, this forward posture. But I've seen kids that have come in as teenage, like they've come into me as teenagers that never exercise their whole life and they have no coordination. They it's like you're wor- almost like you're working with a toddler yeah. who's just getting their limbs for the first time. And they don't have any connection between mind and body. It's crazy.
1: 100%. Yeah. They haven't developed that part of the brain. So it is yeah. like you're working with a toddler. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Now, um, Well, so some of what you said actually leads to a question that I had for you today was there's a common opinion or state of mind, even, um, that when we're young, we can get away with when we're training, we can get away with a lot more intensity or, you know, the common thing that I hear a lot is when you're young, you just recover faster and, um, you can bounce back, things like that. But, I've also trained a lot of boxers and grapplers in their forties, fifties and sixties, and even some in their seventies that when they come in, they're wrestling with no pun intended. They're wrestling with injuries that they got in high school or they got in college. And there's, they were never the same after that. And I've also had athletes come in that they were high school athletes and I've seen them go through, shoulder trauma or knee trauma that they will never recover from. They're done are They can't even play that sport anymore. Uh, they're toast for life. So is it, is that really the case or is it that we get wiser as we get older? And I, I do, I know the body recovers differently. That's not disputable. Um, but I guess what I'm asking is shouldn't, is this, Is active recovery just something for old people or old athletes, or is it something that people should be paying attention to at all ages?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, people should be paying attention to it at all ages. Here's what happens. Uh, When an athlete gets trauma, has trauma, no matter what the age is, you have a disconnect in the musculoskeletal system, but also the brain has now implanted a trauma that – is um, not forgotten. And so that individual has, so first thing is the rehabilitation after that injury needed to be spot on, needed to be watched and needed to be the correct recipe for that individual. And then that individual needed to continue to potentially do some movement patterns to get that body part moving the way it should. And that's the homework that needs to be done, right? If that never happened and they skipped over that, you've now got years and years and years and years of these, of this trauma and the brain not recovering and not creating a new loop of the proper functional movement pattern. So you've got the brain barrier and you've got the musculoskeletal barrier where like the joint just won't move anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, and all along with that comes atrophy and scar tissue and all that kind of. Stuff. And then you've got the brain trauma. So I'm working with a gentleman now. He was a pro hockey player, um, and he has a shoulder. He never has had an injury in his life, which mm. I find ridiculous. But anyway, playing pro hockey.
0: He just got hit in the head so many times he can't remember them.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. yeah, he's got all his teeth too. I couldn't believe it. Right. So. Wow. He, yeah, he had an injury to his rotator cuff, and he he's clear, like his joint moves and everything, but his brain, this is his first trauma, his brain is stopping him from moving it correctly because there's a guardedness. The central nervous system is still in this fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we have to do some specific cueing for him to move through that barrier. Um, now we're also doing some cleaning up of scar tissue and wrap and some healing. But, you know, in that's a case where he's had trauma and yeah. he's trying to reconnect neurologically to the brain, how to move through it. And so that's what happens with kids. And the easy way out is to say, I can't do that anymore. Right. Right.
0: Um, yeah, exactly. Well, and that's you know, the
1: easier way out. Right. And so for some of the people who say, I just can't play my favorite sport, you know, I mean, if they have an art, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not, Privy to those people who are saying that, so I can't say from here. Oh, it's the brain telling you that, but maybe it's a combo of the two.
0: Um, it reminds me very much of I've had uh, three motorcycle accidents in my life, and what I was always told forever from the first one: if you don't get back on the bike right away, you're done. You won't. Yeah. The the trauma seats. You'll always be afraid of it, and you'll never go back. And the same in hang gliding. If you, ha- you crash your hang glider and you have too much time off before you go back.
1: That's a really good example. Yep, exactly. That's exactly. But I never good.
0: thought of it with an injury in the body. I never thought about the brain trauma from that perspective. That's very interesting.
1: Yeah. and so, um, Active recovery is a great way to start getting those joints and the movement patterns to come back, like a Tai Chi or a, um,
0: Chi or
1: yeah, yoga. the stuff
0: that we mentioned for swimming, especially swimming, right? Because there's no, you don't have the impact of the gravity on the body as you're going through your exercise routine or range of motion. Is that accurate? Right.
1: Correct. And then the other thing is to check is you always got to check the psyche. So, um, check that ego out the door when you're recovering from something like that and not feeling like I used to be able to dot, 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 or, you know, this shouldn't be so hard, dot, dot. (laughs) That
0: that is hard. Like I said before, I've had to deal with that. And it's just a, it's a stubbornness. Like I used to be able to do this. Why can't I do this now? Or I used to be able to train six days a week. Why can't I train six days a week or multiple times a day, six days a week? And
1: yeah, but that's kind
0: of, sorry, go ahead.
1: Um, I, I consider this time of my life and Since you've been an athlete for you know doing this for so long. It's all about adaptation at this point Yeah, how are we adapting to the changes that our bodies are making and how do we continue to have fun in our hobby or our sport? Yeah, and improve, you know, so um, It's all about adaptation
0: And you can either resist Or you can go with it, and if you resist it, then you get broken more. Correct. But I see, like, in in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, especially, because you go to a lot of places where the training – like, people will train really intense. And I've tried to coach my team to not train that way, even though people want that. Like you think you got to go all out to be able to get something out of it. But um, I listened to uh, George St. Pierre's trainer. I don't know if you know who he is, but uh, George St. Pierre was a big UFC fighter. Um, he was champion for years, but he has a trainer Faris. Reese. I, I can't remember his last name, but he was talking about how if you train that intense and because you train that intense, you get injured uh, and you can't train the next day, then let's say every other day, you have to take a day off at the end of the year, you only train three times a week, maybe 50 year 50 hours a week at best. If you account for maybe two weeks off, which usually illnesses, injuries, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you take that 50 hour or 50 weeks at the end of the year, you trained 150 hours versus the athlete, no matter what age that trained softer smarter and they're there three times a day uh, six days a week because their body can now just recover it's recovering on a whole different level and a whole level a whole different platform and that when you do the math at the end of the year they've trained you know six ten times longer than you have and i thought that was a really cool way of getting across it sunk into my head
1: yeah um, yeah. It's like um, ultra marathoners. They'll split up their runs in one day. If they're supposed to do a 20 mile run, they'll do maybe 10 in the morning, have the active recovery or the recovery in between and then do 10. It's yeah. still 24 hours. So the body is handling that load and they're putting the mileage in. Yeah. It's just the recovery in between and that'll allow hmm. them to train to the end. So it's the same kind of theory. Yeah.
0: That's That's smart. I didn't know they were doing that because I just, I I always remember hearing people were doing a hundred mile runs and I was like, that is crazy.
1: Well, that's once. Yeah. Right. They don't do that in training. Yeah. Uh, Were they doing it in training?
0: No, no. No. Uh, I did have a student years ago that was training for that. And I, I don't recall because it was like back in 2006. So it's a little bit distant. Yeah. 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 Remembering how he was doing it, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's intense, but yeah. Well, I wanna thank you very much for joining us today and answering some of these questions and helping to solve the uh the mental process as far as training how to keep us smarter and healthier.
1: Yeah, and if my we don't,
0: then we have to come give you business.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Right.
0: And pay for your house and retirement, right?
1: Right.
0: (laughs) We pay one way or another.
1: Yeah. Uh, There you go.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.